There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most, State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Wrestling with Freddie. And today's episode is story time with Uncle Frederick. And this is Wrestling with Freddie. Now, stepping up to the mic, the host of Wrestling with Freddie, Freddie Prince Jr. On today's episode, we're going to tell, well, I don't know how many stories we're going to tell. There's always a bunch of side quests, but I'm going to try to focus on two stories, and one of which was asked to me on Twitter. So if any of you guys know of anything going on when I work there that you have questions about, feel free to hit me up on social media. That's Real FPJR on Twitter. That's the best way for me to answer wrestling questions. I'm not on Instagram that much. So this question, I'm sorry, I don't remember your name, but I'm going to get good at that by season two, maybe. But he asked about the story of Hade Vanson. And for those of you, there's some like hardcores right now that are like, no friggin' way. Uh, yes, I wrote this uh, with a couple other people. But yes, I wrote this. And uh, yes, it died a horrible death. So we're going to get into that. And for those of you who don't know, it's just a funny story. And then the other story we're going to tell was my worst day in the company, and I'm pretty sure Vince did it to me just as, as a practical joke. They call it a rib. I was just ribbing you, but man, it sucked. And that was when SmackDown, I think, was on, maybe it was the CW or the UPN. It was a long time ago, and they've changed names a lot, more than WWE wrestlers' names. But uh, they made me direct a segment for The Masked Magician because he had a show on the same network and they were trying to cross promote and he was going to use wrestlers as like the volunteers from the audience. Now we're going to start with this story because for those of you who don't know, I love magic. When I was a little kid, I went to a magic shop here in Los Angeles, California and saw like some of the best magicians in the world were here. And there was a place called the magic castle and you could go there and eat and they would perform for you. And these were like top, top shelf magicians. And I went to a magic shop and my mom said, you can get one trick, any trick you want. And I looked around at everything and I didn't look at the back of any of the, the boxes. I just looked around and I went back to my mom and I said, I don't want, I don't want to get any of these tricks. And she said, why not? And I said, because I don't want to know how they work. And there's a scene from a movie with 
Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman. And they're like dueling magicians. And Christian Bale, I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it, but he's in love with this, with this woman. And he's doing a magic trick. And this is like the 1800s in, in England, I believe. And he's doing a bullet catch, which was a spectacular trick because magicians had died doing it. And his wife or his girlfriend doesn't want him to do it. And he says, no, it's perfectly safe. She goes, show me how to do it. He's like, no, nah, I can't. I can't show you how I do it. And she goes, well, then you can't, you can't do it. You, you have more responsibilities than just yourself now. You have me. We're going to have a child. You have responsibilities that you're a father. He says, all right, if I show you will, you, will you let me do it? She says, okay. He does the bullet catch. And then he reveals the trick that he pulls the bullet from the gun before he ever gives her the pistol to fire. And so it's just wadding. There is no bullet. And he breaks it down. He basically says, the gun is empty. There is no bullet. And she looks at him and she, it's almost, instead of relief, it's disappointment. And then she says, oh, well, when you know how it's done, it's not that special, is it? And you can see his heart break the way a, a woman should have broken his heart. And he says, well, no, you know, it's still, it's still pretty dangerous. You know, people can die doing this. And she just like shrugs it off. Like, yeah, okay, whatever, whatever. And that to me was magic, right? I never wanted to know how it was done. It was why I couldn't watch wrestling for about eight months when I left the company because I knew, I knew all the tricks and some of the magic had, had faded away. And it wasn't until my daughter got real into it that I came back sort of full circle. So I'm the perfect guy to direct a segment for a character whose entire gimmick is destroying magicians' careers and exposing all their secrets and all their trade secrets and, and making magic no longer magic. Like that guy that did that scuzzy John, what was his name? John Moffat? Or no, that's the character from Silence of the Lambs. The New York journalist that got slapped by, by Dr. D, David Schultz. And there was a wrestler who like gave up the secrets in order to help this story get made. Like screw that guy and screw the masked magician. His name was like Val Valentine or something. And so... And this may sound hardcore, like, wow, Freddie's really getting on a soapbox for magicians. But, and I know it is. It's ridiculous. But check this out, man. Like, these men and these women, their entire livelihood is on making you guess, right? How'd he do it? How'd he do it? So all these YouTube videos, all these Instagram videos, and Val Valentine, who started it with his mass magician crap, like, that's, that's hurting magicians. It's not getting people more excited about magic. Not any more so than they'd be if they saw a magician and wondered how they, they could do it. No, it's just people putting a spotlight on themselves because they don't have what it takes. They're not the three-dimensional magician. They may just be good at sleight of hand, or they may just be good on the microphone, or maybe they're just funny, but none of the other skills are up to par. And they're mad about that, and they're trying to get their own shine and make money in a new way, but it's destroying the magic business. So now I get to work with this guy. So Vince gives me Maria and Maria Canellis, that is, and uh, Biscuits and Gravy. What were their names? Uh, Festus became Luke Gallows and uh, Gordy's Kid. I don't remember. But uh, anyway, they, their theme music went, Biscuits and Gravy. And Festus was this character played by Luke. You guys know him now as Luke Gallows, if you watched uh, AEW or the, or the indie scenes now. Uh, shout out to my buddy Angelo who gave him that name. And uh, his character doesn't speak. He was 
not mute. He was just kind of dumb, right? And just sort of like lobotomized. And then when the bell would ring, this was his gimmick. I'm not saying this was great, but it made me laugh at least. When the wrestling bell would ring, he would like, and he just beat the crap out of whoever was in front of him. And if the bell rang again, he would go back into his docile lobotomized state, which doesn't give a long career for a character like that. Because the moment someone goes, well, maybe if I just ring the bell again in the middle of the match, then he'll stop and then I can just pin him, which happened. And then the character's magic kind of died, right? There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later... The co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast, I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have them as the tag team. And Maria Canellas. And the story is supposed to be that Festus has a crush on Maria. I'm like trying to prevent a migraine while explaining this, this storyline to you guys. That's how painful this memory is. And uh, they're going to do this magic thing together. The mass magician is, it's going to be like a date kind of. So I wake up that morning and I feel horrible. I grab a thermometer, take my temperature. I'm 101 degrees. Sick as a dog. There is no, there are no sick days at the WWE. You go, you go to work unless you're dead. And even then they'd fire you. He's fired. He didn't show up. Dude, he's dead. Well, he won't care. So he wouldn't do that. So uh, I feel like crap. I take a ton of medicine. I get to work. I get hit with the masked friggin' magician on a segment. No one's going to watch. On a segment no wrestling fan wants to watch. A segment I don't want to watch or be a part of or be associated with in any way, shape, or form. And did I mention I have 101, 102 temperature? So God bless Luke. This is Festus. And God bless Maria for (laughs) Gallows goes, man, you look sicker than Seamus. Because Seamus is so white and pale, that she could like see his heart beat like a ba- like a baby fish or a baby frog. He goes, "Man, you look worse than Seamus," which makes me smile and laugh. But man, I'm hurting. And then in comes Sky Val Valentine, and I, now I can't just tell the guy, "I hate you, man. You're a jerk, and you're everything that's wrong with show business." they can't afford a scripted show. So they pay you peanuts and you get an hour on TV. Screw you. I I can't say that. Right. So I say, Hey Val, it's nice to meet you. Uh, What are the tricks that you'd like to perform for us today? So he's going to do the head spinning around in the box trick. Hey, that's new and fresh and hip. At least he's not exposing, you know, something that's not stupid. And then uh, that they didn't expose on Looney Tunes. And the other is the levitation. He's going to levitate Maria. And, uh, I have never seen a levitation be performed. So now I have to watch it because I have to let everyone know where the cameras are going to be, right? We, actually, he helped with that because he has to protect his props. I don't, I'm not trying to like take credit for it. Uh, so he's like, hey, we need a camera here, here, and here. So, all right. I'll grab these guys. I'm writing some dialogue for Maria and Festus to, so she can be his lovely assistant, right? And uh, I'm looking at the levitation gimmick, and it's so loud. It's so loud. And he turns it on. It's like, and it starts to go. I'm like, bro, how, what? 
I go, how, how do you want me to hide this? He goes, oh, well, when I perform it at my show, there's a lot of music playing. I go, all right, man. Well, we, I, I'll put some music in in post, I guess, but r- right on. And so Maria comes in and she doesn't have much dialogue. It's like, hey, Festus, are you ready to see some magic? It's, I'm literally, I don't want to be there. I'm just trying to make this go as quickly as possible. So Maria, the first trick they're going to do is, is uh, the head in the box. Oh, I hate telling this story. So she gets in and uh, he closes the box up, the one that goes around her body. And then there's a little door for the second box that's around her head. And you can see her smiling face. And uh, he, clo- he closes the box and he, he turns it 180 degrees and he opens the back of the box. And what should be Maria's red hair is just a red wig that is about eight inches shorter than Maria's hair when she got in the box and not even remotely. You can look this up on YouTube and not even remotely the same color, texture, or anything, okay? So I'm already sitting there and the camera guy, what was his name, man? Luis, I think his name was Luis. He looks over to me and he goes, how did you get stuck with this shit? And I think I said something like, I, I think he knows I like magic. I was talking about magic. And I think he just did this to like screw me over. Cause I think I might've said screw the mass magician or something like that. And he's shaking his head and the bit's over. We do one take. Okay. We do one take. And uh, he goes, how was it? I go, man, that was, that was great. Let's just, let's get to the next one. I'm ready to go throw up at this point. So while they set up, I go to the bathroom. I got like a, like a wet towel that I bring over to, uh, to catering. I fill up with ice. And I go back to where we're shooting in this like cafeteria. I lay on a table. And I just put the ice over my head. While I'm laying there, Maria, she's so sweet. She comes up. She takes the ice pack off my head. And she goes, Freddie. I go, what? She goes, don't sell. I said, what? She goes, don't sell. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, every single old timer that walks by here, if they see you, every single one of them is going to go tell Vince. I go, tell him what? That I'm sick as a dog? She goes, no, they're going to tell him you're a little bitch. I was like, oh, no. All right. Fair, fair enough. No more ice bags, or at least not in public view. So it's time for levitation. And as the day goes on, you know how, how it feels when you have the flu. You get worse as the day goes on, right? So I'm feeling like garbage. I can't eat. I'm drinking like flu by the gallon, I think, or maybe it was just tea. And uh, I'm basically hallucinating. Like, I, 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 guys are the worst when we're sick. Girls are tougher than guys when it comes to getting sick, man. I just wanted my mom. So we do levitation and Maria lays down on the, <sighs> Maria lays down on this board and uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, the mass magician pushes the button and it goes, it goes up and then one there's two hydraulics and one of them stops working and so the the right one keeps going up which means her feet are going in the air but her head's not and she starts sliding like she goes whoa and he goes oh hold on hold on hold on and so he has to turn it off and i'm shaking my head just in shame frustration and entertainment and joy to see this guy get hosed and uh Maria gets off the table and he goes hold on hold on let me fix it I all right, man, uh, try, try to fix it. And I go up to Luis and I said, uh, look, we're going to send it to the truck and we're just going to cut right before it, uh, 
right before it gets right before the thing, the gimmick breaks, the rig. And he goes, we can't do that. And Val Valentine goes, hey, uh, guys. I go, yeah. He goes, uh, my hydraulics completely broken. I'm not going to be able to do a second take. And Luis goes, hey, man, so I think we should just send this to the truck and just cut it right before the thing breaks. <laughs> so that's what we did. And it is the single worst segment in the history of SmackDown on any channel, whether it was the CW, whether it was the UPN, whether it was, what was it before that? What is it now? Whether it was on Fox Sports, whether any channel, it is the worst segment. So you guys try to give me credit for a lot of stuff and say, Freddie, you should go back and write, man. Freddie, you should go back and save him. Is that what you want? Is that what you really want? Because I'm the man responsible for the mass magician. Sorry to say. Apologize. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this hundred-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, this is the sad one. Hey, Vanson, we received a note from Vince that said Undertaker needed an opponent to run through before the next pay-per-view storyline, basically. Someone had gotten hurt. I don't remember who. And before we could get Taker to edge, they wanted someone that we could just run through. But they wanted us to have it be someone that, that could mean something. And so they wanted us to find someone from FCW that we could bring up, assign a gimmick to, basically smash and destroy him uh, for The Undertaker. So it was DeJoseph, 
It was Fazio, Angelo Fazio, Krista Joseph, and it was me. We're called Fazio uh, Lofaz is what we called him. And to Joseph, we just called DJ. And they just called me Freddie. <laughs> or at least by my back, I'm sure they said something else. <laughs> so the three of us sat down and we started talking about this. And all our brains kind of went to the same place right away, which would be like a cult, like a cultish kind of figure worshipers of the undertaker things like that we're kind of spitting ideas around and nothing's really clicking and i don't remember who said it i want to say dj but i don't remember who brought it up but one of us said what if he claimed the undertaker was his father who said that and and somebody else said well i don't think anyone will buy that but maybe it could be like in in like a like a supernatural sense and I remember being like, nah, either way, like either way, he's getting killed anyways. Or he's, he's getting smashed on, which, you know, again, we're just trying to make this work. It's yes, that would be a father killing his son, but he's not really killing him. I just mean like smashing him. In the ring. So, uh, so we try working with that and we throw it to Michael and Freebird's like, yeah, you know, whatever. He doesn't, he doesn't care. And uh, we write this promo and this idea that's kind of kind of good and he's sort of hacking into the to the network feed which is not original by any stretch other wrestlers have done that before but we thought this was an authentic and organic way for a character like this to come through so he started hacking the feed on on maybe it was thursday night smackdown back then and uh they would be kind of grainy pictures they look kind of like 80s grainy and uh, he was, had these messages for The Undertaker that he would come in with and, and talk about how, you know, like what everyone says, basically, his time is, is nearing an end. And now it's, it's going to be my time. And I have anger and love for you and all this. And he had this, he was a British guy. His name was Hadrian. What a great name, Hadrian. I think it was Hadrian Howard. And uh, he had this act, Undertaker. And it, he sounded smooth when he spoke, right? shaved head bit of a beard i think the beard matched the the hair length and uh, he looked real cool real cool look smaller guy though definitely a smaller guy smaller than me i'm six one right now like 185 and he was he was i can't remember exactly what he looked like i'm pretty sure he was buffer than me which isn't saying much but he wasn't as tall as i am i'm telling you all this for a reason so he's cutting these promos and he's doing a good job and so we get the story approved by Freebird, and then we get it approved by Vince, and we start shooting these little segments, and uh, they're airing on television. It's an ongoing thing, and he and he's he's not calling out the Undertaker, but he's sort of he's speaking about the Undertaker, and you're just waiting to figure out what the reason for it is. It can't just be, I want your spot. That would be stupid, and it wasn't. It was this father son thing. So we're building up. I think we get two weeks of TV out of it. And then we go to Bristol, Connecticut. And I'll never forget it because there's a train station or a train track right by the arena. And we're going to shoot this segment outside on this like graffiti, moss and algae, urine stained wall. It's just real dirty and gritty. And we have like yellow blade to Guillermo del Toro lighting coming from one side and like blue and pink uh, Ridley Scott blade runner lighting coming from the other side. And we're shooting him super close. And uh, he busts out the promo and it's the, it's the best one that he's done so far. Nothing in ring, everything on, on site and on location. 
So we cut it, we show it, everyone's excited. And it's not showtime yet. We shot this, be- we shot this before the show because this was the taped show, not the live one. So you had more time to accomplish these goals. So we're in the production meeting and everyone's putting their segments through and all this. And here comes our segment. And nobody said boo. No one said boo the last two we- last two or even three weeks of TV that we got out of it. Not one agent, not Kevin Dunn, not, not Vince, not anybody. Sometimes we had people on the Raw team dumping on like SmackDown ideas. It was crazy. SmackDown would catch heat. And SmackDown's sitting there like, y'all rewrite us the day of the show before you even read the script. Like no one read SmackDown. Nobody. No one. Vince read it when we were in the production meeting. That's why our production meetings were four hours long. So we're all committed to this, or so we think. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Hunter says, are we seriously going with this guy? And remember, this is not a pay-per-view match. This is not a guy that would get any sort of offense off on the, on the Undertaker. It would be just a buildup for the Undertaker to have something to do so he could smash this guy and then get rolling over to, to Edge. He says, are we really going to go with this guy? And Vince goes, what do you mean? What's the problem? And he says, he looks like he cuts my grass, man. And literally, and Vince laughed. And literally, all the air went out of the room. Everybody just went, no. no." Like, you could just feel it. Because it, now it's embarrassing to the company. Well, at least from my perspective, you put something on TV for three weeks, and then you remove it with no explanation. There's no way you can do that. Like, that doesn't happen on any show, you you could replace someone, right? Like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air back in the day. And all of a sudden, they're just a new mom. Or on the soap operas, when they'd be like, the role of so-and-so is now played by Michael Barnett. I don't know who Michael Barnett is. So I'm sitting there like, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. And Vince laughs. And then Hunter laughs. And then Kevin Dunn laughs, boy. And I mean, he sells for it. You would have thought. you thought it was the best joke ever, right? So I'm like, oh man, this is, we're dead. We're dead. And Vince goes, all right, dump it. And now it's not just your idea that's gone, whatever. I had ideas get crushed. Now I got to go talk to homeboy. And I got to tell him that his character that he was so excited for, and imagine you're in the minor leagues, okay? And you get called up to the Yankees. And the guy at first base is a Hall of Famer. It's Dom Mattingly. And he says, hey, I'm going to show you the ropes, take you under my wing. And uh, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be a part of this baseball team. And you're like, wow, this is like, this doesn't happen to anybody. Well, it doesn't. Uh, This guy came up from FCW. His very first professional wrestling storyline with the company was going to be with the greatest He's over the moon. And then now he has to be told that it's not going to happen because he looks like the guy that cut Triple H's grass. It is such a sickening, sickening feeling. And it's our responsibility as, as the writing team to communicate it to this guy. And so it gets broken down to him. He's clearly disappointed. And the question from any 
artist who wants to work is, well, well, what's next? What, what, where do we go from here? And I'm not, I can't tell the guy like, yo, that's a wrap. Like that's, it's done. Like you got deaded and it's, it's done. The best thing you could do is walk away for a year and, and come back. Like I, I just wasn't in the wrestling business headspace, nor did I have the experience yet to, to break it down for him. So I just said, I honestly have no idea. I do not know. Three months later, I think I'm already, maybe six months later, I've now left the company and I get an email from this dude and he's left the company and he's just wanting to act now. I remember sitting there going, wow, like he could, he could maybe actually do that. Right. Cause he, his, his work was good. Good looking dude. Definitely could play some bad guys for sure. He had a very like stern, mean face and a sharp nose, sharp eyes, like a hawk just looked like a guy that would be in a fight with the, with the protagonist in a movie. Right. I call my agents at the time. I don't remember where I was. I think it was ICM. I wasn't, you got to remember, I wasn't acting then. I never officially like let go of my agent, but I didn't know them very well. And I said, uh, I emailed him. I said, Hey, I know this wrestler. He's one to act. Could I maybe just get him like a, like a hip pocket deal with you guys? Or could he send a tape and audition for you and just see if, if you like him, maybe there's a junior agent there that could work with him. The email I got back was, we're not looking to work with any professional wrestlers. And I just sat there. I was like, man, cause I, you got to understand. I love these men and women. I genuinely love them. I respect the sacrifices they, they make. I respect what they put their bodies through. I respect the, the, the amount of stress that they're under with the travel they have and the, the commitments that the company demands you, you make. So I, I've seen them work way harder than I've had to work for less. So I got, I got a lot of love for these, for these men and women. And I don't, I don't like when this business craps on, on the wrestling business. Cause I think they have some really talented performers. Um, I know we've talked about some of the actors before. I even forgot to mention Dave Batista because I'm an idiot, but like, look at how carefully that guy has, has built and developed his career, right? Like he's never taken on too much too soon. And don't hit me with, well, no one offered him the lead in, in movies. It was just like the muscle guy parts. That's a bunch of BS. I know for a fact that's BS because I know a movie that got offered to him where he was the lead and the man, but he didn't feel ready yet. He didn't want to put himself in that position with a character that he didn't 100% connect with. And at least this is what was told to the producer. And so he didn't do that movie. And you watched him just sort of grow from from a monster in a movie to suddenly working with Jodie Foster in that weird hospital movie where he was the orderly that kicked ass. But you saw some vulnerability out of Dave then. Then he keeps evolving. Now he's going to do a romantic, or not romantic comedy. Well, I'm sure he will eventually, but he did a dad-daughter kind of vibe one. He's doing a buddy cop movie now. Like He's really starting to, to grow and take off. So to see Hollywood embrace wrestling now, I'm always... Like, man, you're just trying to make money off them. And, I, and granted, it's show business, right? And we all know business is the bigger word. But they blow so much smoke, man. And I've I seen them do it with actors, so I know they do it with wrestlers. And it was one of the things that always disappointed me about my business, so to speak, was the way it just, it, it's so like, segregated isn't the right word, but it was like when I was coming up, there were TV shows that I was like, man, that'd be cool. I want to do a TV show. And they're like, Freddie, you're a film actor. You don't do television. I was like, what? I, I'm just an actor. There's no film before it. There's not, I'm an actor. 
And then Glenn Close did a, a show where she played a lawyer. I think it was called Damages. And that blasted the door wide open. And then every film actor was suddenly a television actor winning Emmys left and right. And they loved the schedule. They loved the consistency. They loved that they got to play one character for a longer amount of time than just six weeks and really start to figure that. That's exciting for an actor. And so all of a sudden that all got mushed. And now you see Hollywood coming in and The Rock kicks down the door and then john cena instead of slipping on ice when he walked through it he took the frame off (laughs) so they can't build it again and now all of a sudden they're loving wrestlers so i hope i hope the trend continues and uh i appreciate all of you guys and gals listening and i will see you next week right here on wrestling with freddie this has been a production of iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos, Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumucósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math and Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math and Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.